Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Coming up on today's show, we have new Pokemon news, Logitech is getting into cloud gaming, and some fool spent $100,000 in Diablo Immortal. Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games Podcast, your source for video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff every Friday. I am one of your hosts, Brittany Brumbacher, alongside the belated birthday girl, Andrea Renee. Oh, what's good, Brit? Thank you for the birthday witches. Did you have a good birthday? It was very low-key, and that's okay. I rang in my final year of my 30th decade. <laughs> Third decade, I think, is the more proper. Thirtieth decade, damn um, girl. <laughs> She's an old lord. <laughs> exactly. It was nice. Rihanna came over, and we played some Escape Academy, which we're going to talk about a little bit later. And then on my actual birthday, I just mostly chilled at home. I ate donuts for breakfast. I had pizza for lunch, and I ordered sushi for dinner. Mm. You lived best life. Yeah, it was pretty good. That's pretty awesome. legit. And yeah. Rihanna Manuel Pena is here. Hello. We mentioned you and now you're actually here. Also, and, yeah. we were talking about your incredible hair before we started recording. Was it Zuri? Is that the character that it's reminding us of? Zuri. At least that that's the character I've been staring at a lot lately because I've been playing a lot of Fortnite. And she's beautiful and I love her hair. I love her hair. And I said she can pop my head with her thighs. Probably. That I, conversation did happen. It did happen. Can confirm. It did happen. <laughs> but anyway, that is my opening. And now I'm going to toss to Andrea because I'm about to start coughing. So. <laughs> okay. The thing that Brittany and I want to make a disclaimer about for this episode before we jump into the news is that the three of us are actually all traveling this week. And so we had to record the podcast quite early in order to get an episode up for y'all, which, you know, you guys know us. We don't like to miss weeks. And because of that, the Pokemon news is going to have to be edited in afterwards. And there is a chance that it might not make it in the podcast, and there's a certainty that it's not going to make it into the YouTube video. So if you guys are watching at youtube.com slash what's good games, and you want to hear about the Pokemon news, you're going to have to listen to the audio version this week because I have to edit and upload the video version before I go. And because of Brit and I's schedules, we're not going to be able to get it into the video version. It's complicated, but thank you for your understanding. We appreciate and love y'all. It's true. It's very yeah, true. That's my uh, that's my disclaimer. I want to say thank you to this month's Patreon producers, Chewie's Godson, Alex Rogopoulos, Ferris Atia, Justin Foshi, Matthew Gardera, and Punctified. And welcome to our Patreon community at patreon.com slash what's good games, Leg Hero, and Darth Smurf. With Smurf. Two Fs. You gotta get the, the extra f in there. Smurf. Yes, I like it. And thank you to our new podcast reviewers. I've been reading a bunch of them. Thank you to everybody who's taken the time to leave us new reviews like these fine folks. Brittany? We have Retro Steve and Rentoto. 
Ritoto? Sorry, I added an N in there where it didn't belong. Yeah, thank you. You know, like Andrea said, it does make us feel good. And it's fun for us to see how you listen to the show, where you listen to it. You know, it's just like, oh, like you you never really think about where your show ends up. I know some folks listen to it while they're working. (laughs) Good for you. Or when they're taking care of someone or when they're playing video games. So yeah, just thank you for leaving us those lovely five-star reviews. We've countered that asshat from a few weeks ago who said we're dumb chicks who just complain about Elden Ring. So yes. Yeah. Good job, everybody. High five to everyone. All right. This show is brought to you by HelloFresh and MeUndies, but we'll tell you more about them in just a little bit. What's good, everyone? Britt here to talk to you about Pokemon. Apologies if the voice is a, is a little gravelly, but it's a little early for yours truly, and I guess my body hasn't quite woken up yet. So I am recording this on Wednesday, and we just got a Pokemon Direct at 6 a.m. my time, may I add. No way in hell I was getting up at 6 a.m. for this, but I digress. Yeah, so we got 20 minutes of Pokemon news, and I'm just going to kind of run down the first several announcements because they're just like, you know, not really in my wheelhouse. But I'm going to read this from Destructoid, and it's a little recap. So first bullet point is the Pokemon World Championships will be held on August 18th through the 21st in London, in person with, quote, thousands of players from around the world competing the card game, the video game, and Pokemon tournament elements. Pokemon Go and Pokemon Unite are also part of the festivities, too. That's wonderful. Have fun. Pokemon Go is running an event in Sapporo, Japan, featuring Ultra Beasts, and the Pokemon Go Fest finale is on August 27th. Man, I have fallen so far off the Pokemon Go train. I remember when I used to play that game all day. But what they did actually mention that I didn't know existed was this thing called an incense. And I'm trying to find my notes, but my notes are just as haggard as I am at the moment. Essentially, it's an incense that lets you, for 15 minutes once a day, for no cost, summon Pokemon to you that might not normally appear in your location, which is really cool. I don't know if I knew about this. I didn't think I knew about this, but you know what? What is my memory? It is shit. FYI. But this is really neat because where I live, all I get are Pidgeys. And listen, I'm so sick of Pidgeys. So cool. Maybe I will get outside and do a loop and use this fabled incense. They also talked about the Pokemon Unite first anniversary event. Essentially, there's a Pika Party event that starts today and lasts through, I think it's like September 1st. All Pokemon in this quick battle mode are Pikachu, including the players themselves. And then they announced that Buzzwool is also coming in today. I guess this is probably already known. But Buzzwool is coming. And if you're wondering what the fuck is a Buzzwool, I'm going to tell you what a Buzzwool is. And I hate even saying that word. It's just annoying to say. Someone was very horny, ladies and gentlemen, when they created this insect bee thing. It's like a fucking buff ass fly bee I don't know, a mosquito hybrid. It has these two little beady eyes. It has these two antennae and like this long poker nose thing. And it's buff as shit. And it's, and its wings flop. Oh God, I hate it so much. I already told Jason he is not allowed to play as Buzzwool when he plays Pokemon Unite because it is the shit of nightmares. But they also announced that season two or whatever they call their seasons or whatnot is coming September and there's going to be about three more Pokemon coming which is like, cool, good for you, go on with your bad self. There's Pokemon Masters, which I know nothing about. Mewtwo is returning to Pokemon Cafe. And then, then, ladies and gentlemen, we can get into the good shit. And by good shit, I mean Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. So I have this right up here from IGN. 
and it reads, We already knew that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet would be fully open world and could be explored in any order, but now we know the game will include three main story campaigns, including the usual gym battling route. Revealed in today's Pokemon Presents broadcast, we learned that journeys in the Paldea region will begin with your character joining a school, the Naranja Academy in Pokemon Scarlet, or the Uva Academy in Pokemon Violet. From there, you'll be given a special independent study project known only as the Treasure Hunt. The Treasure Hunt will see you exploring Paldea, where three grand stories are on offer and can be approached from any order. As you'd expect from the series, one of those stories revolves around becoming the region's best trainer by beating the leaders of eight Pokemon gyms. However, in the new games, there's no set path through those eight gyms, meaning you can take them on in any order. In the latest gameplay, we saw a Glaciado gym, an ice-type location set in what looks like a ski resort. The other two campaigns are more of a mystery at this point. Your legendary Pokemon, Coridon and Maridon, can become bikes. I'll talk about that in a minute. And there's a new battle mechanic called Terrestrializing. This option allows Paldea Pokemon in the game to turn into a new gem-like form, which makes them stronger. It can even change their elemental type. And the game will also include Terra Raid battles, which can reward you with Pokemon that have rare Terra types. In the trailer, we saw a Water-type Gardevoir, for example. Okay, yeah, so... Quite a bit of what the fuck is happening. <laughs> I don't I don't know where the, I love it. This, this game is just getting more wackadoodle by the day. So like I said, you know, it starts off, it shows all these really cool sprawling landscapes, kind of like a city-ish location. You have this like grand field or some snow areas, a beach, like a dusty desert. So I don't think we're gonna be lacking in biomes here. And that has me really excited. I think that's really great. And to get around, and like you have your legendaries, Maridon and Coridon, and they turn into cars, into wheels. I don't understand what's happening here, but it's pretty great. So it feels like you're going to get these bad boys early because, you know, you want to traverse the world. And they talk about they're really emphasizing the ability to take this game on however you want. Well, then you're going to want your ride. You know what I mean? So I guess, yeah, you're going to get these legendaries probably fairly early and then have the ability to drive around on them. So, you know, what's so shitty about it, though, is Coridon, the Scarlet legendary he sprouts these huge wheels that are like bigger than, almost bigger than his body. Like where they are stored and where they come from, I don't know. I have so many questions about the anatomy of these creatures, but it doesn't matter. He still has to run. Like it shows his friend, Maridon, the blue lizard legendary, and he is just gliding along, living his very best life on his wheels. But poor Coridon has these wheels that don't do any good and he still has to run. I don't know. It upsets me. But these legendaries can dash, they can swim, they can glide, and they can climb. And yeah, you're enrolling in this academy as a student and you have these three grand stories that you can set out to accomplish apparently in any order you want. And like I said, you know about the gym battles pretty cut and dry. You want to become the champion and you can take these gyms in any way, shape or form that you want. So if you want to go from point A to point D to point whatever the fuck, go on with your bad self. The other two stories, though, quote, hold many surprises and discoveries. And Rebecca Valentine had a pretty good point. She said, these are probably just going to be gyms, legendary and evil team, right? And I could totally see that happening if the first story is just based off of, hey, become a Pokemon master. Yay. How do you get the legendaries? And who's the evil bad guys in this game? That right there seems pretty obvious, but maybe we'll be surprised. Who knows? Who could say? And then we got a look at the characters as well. So we got Sada, who is the professor in Scarlet, and then Turo, who is the professor in Violet. 
Turo is the man that everyone is lusting over, including yours truly. And I guess I am playing Pokemon Violet. All this time, friends, I have been telling Jason that I want to play Pokemon Scarlet. I don't know, I just like the color better. I guess that doesn't bode well for me since our logo is literally purple, but whatever. And then when I saw Turo was exclusive to Violet, I was like, oh, okay, because I'm playing Violet. So Jason, if you're listening to this, heads up. We also got a look at some new Pokemon. <laughs> this this one included, um, his name is Fido, spelled F-I-D-O-U-G-H. Described as a delightful, squishy Pokemon that are smooth to the touch. And then someone shared this screenshot on, I don't even know if it's a screenshot on Twitter, but it looks like an official asset describing Fido. And it, the description is, Fido ferments things in its vicinity using the yeast in its breath. Said yeast is useful for cooking. So this Pokemon has been protected by people since long ago. And this little dude, I mean, he's pretty cute. He looks like a bunch of pastry buns kind of like knotted together. No, because then that makes him sound like he looks like a balloon animal. Anyway, he's cute. He's doughy. I think Rhea will like him because he apparently has very tight, moist skin. I'm not making that up. He is described as having tight, moist skin by the official Pokemon Twitter account. And I'm going to find that right now and make sure I'm not making like any of that up. The Pokemon Twitter account says this Pokemon has smooth, moist skin with elastic qualities. So the tight was me. I was saying tight. What is on my mind? Who could say? And then we got another look at the three starters. Nothing really revolutionary there. They did show LeChonk again, which is really great. LeChonk is that little hog Pokemon that everyone kind of lost their mind over, including me. In another preview, I don't know, months ago, what it feels like. But what I thought was interesting, and this is just a little nerd detail, is when you caught LeChonk and you added it to your Pokedex, it like put his picture on a book. So it looked like he was like, you know, his own little book. And then it shelved it on a bookshelf. And I just thought that was a really cute touch. It's something different than the Pokedex animations that we get. And if this really is, you know, in accordance with an academy, if you really are doing a study, I think the little bookshelf thing was pretty cute. You know, it's the little things that really make or break these Pokemon games for me. And then we have the Terrestrialize that we talked about as well. So yeah, it's like this new feature where you can turn your Pokemon into these like diamond-esque, shiny, solid forms of themselves. You know what they look like? They look like those little figurines that your grandma has on her hutch. Like those random ass, like pretty shiny, colorful figurines that you don't know what they are, where they came from, but they're just like, they're catching the light. So for example, Sprigatito, the cat, he sprouted flowers. Fue Coco, when he was terrestrialized or terrestrialized, whatever the hell, he sprouted like candles above his head. And all the Pokemon can do this. And they showed a Pikachu that turned into a flying type after he was terrestrialized. I can't say, I hate saying that word. Eevee can become grass or water also, like I mentioned. And then the raid battles are coming back as well, which is great. And you can also now in raid battles attack or heal on your own time instead of waiting for your allies. If you did any of those raid battles in the last Pokemon game, it was kind of a slog because everyone had to wait. Everyone had to go in accordance to their turn. And you were just like waiting there half the time for people to make a decision. So it's great that this seems like it's going to be a little bit more real time. And it wouldn't be a Brit segment on Pokemon if I didn't find something to rant about. Real talk, I don't try to rant. I really don't. But I have I have concerns and I have a prediction. Okay, so they talked a little bit about multiplayer as well at some point during this direct. And they said, if you find a union circle within the game, looks like a summoning pad of sorts, you can enjoy co-op with three friends. Quote, look for Pokemon you haven't discovered or race across the map. And I was like, okay, but I want to I see 
catch Pokemon? Can I catch Pokemon in multiplayer? Because I feel like if you're going to have a multiplayer Pokemon game and you're going to invite someone over to your game, what's the fun in them just running around with you, helping you find a Pokemon if they can't catch it themselves, especially if they're also playing a game? And I, I mean, okay, there is fun to be found in that, I'm sure, especially if you're hopping into someone else's game and you're like, hey, I'll just spend some time with you and run around. Cool. We'll just use the convoluted voice chat to chat. I, I'm getting salty. But in every official statement I've seen from Nintendo when it comes to multiplayer in a Pokemon game, there's no mention of catching Pokemon and bringing it back to your game. It's all discover Pokemon, discover this. And I feel like if you could catch Pokemon and bring it back to your game, wouldn't that be a PRB you'd want to shout from the rooftops? Wouldn't that just be something you'd be really proud to be like, hey, guess what? You know, you can go to this area with your friend and catch Pokemon and bring it back. And to me, like, that would be fun. I imagine Jason and I playing Pokemon together. And I'm getting all hot and bothered over something that's neither confirmed nor denied. And I shouldn't do that. But Nintendo's good at Nintendo. It's like with Sword and Shield, where everyone was calling it an open world game, an open world game, but Nintendo never officially called it an open world game. And then I was like, yo, dogs, this is not going to be an open world game because Nintendo isn't. All I'm saying is I'm just really curious to know what the limitations are going to be on the multiplayer. I think it sounds really fucking cool. Like, don't get me wrong. I've wanted full-blown co-op in a Pokemon game forever. I'm really happy that they're taking steps to implement it. It sounds like you can pretty much, and I quote, enjoy all that the Paldea region has to offer. You know, maybe running around, racing around the, the land, going to towns together. Like, I don't know what you can do. And maybe I just need to sit my ass down and calm down and wait <laughs> and wait till we get some sort of official statement. I hope they almost have, they need to put out something specific to multiplayer, right? Like they need to, we need to know like, what can we truly expect? I hope it's not one of those cases we're all hyped, you sit down, you start playing Pokemon, and then it's like, oh, by the way, you can't do this, this, or this. Anyway, I digress. I think this game actually looks really good. I am cautiously excited. I think I can officially put myself into the I am excited for Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. You know, they are making some changes that I think are, you know, interesting way of changing some stuff up. The ability to tackle anything in any order you want, great. The weird new terrestrializing, ter whatever, terrestrial, what the fuck it's called. That great. Go on with your, you, you know what I mean? Like, that stuff is cool. But, you know, honestly, what I just really want from this is I just want the world to feel more alive. I want there to be more meaningful side quests. I want to feel like these NPCs were well thought out, well written out. You know, just I wanted to have a little bit more personality. And so far, what we're seeing, you know, I'm, I'm like I said, cautiously optimistic and cautiously excited. And I, I mean, I'm cautiously excited that I'm going to have fun with this game, but I'm very excited for the release of it. If I get let down, I get let down. It happens all the time. OK, I've been talking for 16 minutes by myself. How has this happened? Thank you all so much for listening to me talk about Pokemon. Of course, let me know what you think about it, because, you know, I'm well, it's really no different than if the ladies were actually here because they <laughs> They just kind of sit and their eyes kind of glaze over anyway. All right. Have fun with the rest of the show. Bye. Logitech is building a handheld cloud gaming console with Tencent. So I saw this story over on IGN and I wanted to pull it and talk about it because cloud gaming is obviously all the range these days. And <laughs> IGN writes that announcing a tweet from Logitech, the device currently referred to only as the Logitech G gaming handheld 
will support several cloud gaming services and is expected to be released this year. But no images of the console have been released so far. There's a quote. Well, you know how I feel about these PR quotes. <laughs> We're thrilled to announce an official partnership with Tencent Games to bring cloud gaming handheld to the market later this year that will support multiple cloud gaming services. They have a blog post where you can read all of the details if you are so inclined over at the Logitech G blog. And they are going to be supporting high-end game services like Xbox's Cloud Gaming and NVIDIA's GeForce Now. And then there's, you know, some fluff about how Logitech G is a leader and how Tencent is a leader and how they're excited to work together. And you know how these things go. Anyway, I think this is interesting because we haven't really gotten a lot of these third-party devices. And I think we're going to start to see more of them as cloud gaming becomes more ubiquitous. So I think it's interesting that Logitech, of all hardware makers, decided to get into this because obviously we know them for peripherals. <laughs> we talk about Logitech stuff on this show all the time. They are a big partner of ours. But did either of you anticipate them getting into this business? No. Not at all. I am a fan of Logitech. I love all of Logitech products that I've used. I was like a Logitech phone stand for many years because I am diehard Android over here. And you I, are. Yes, I am. And Team green bubble over there. <laughs> I always ruin it. And it, it's it's really cool to see them getting into the, the handheld business because I personally love handhelds. I've had almost every company's handheld over the years, starting all the way with, you know, my first Game Boy and <laughs> that big, huge Sega. And I have a Steam Deck now and have been playing it a lot. I've modded it so that I could do Xbox Cloud Gaming, which sounds like will be native on this Logitech handheld. And it's really interesting to see a big bet coming into like a console space from Logitech because we know there's been a lot of console shortages and chip shortages and a lot of manufacturing pipeline issues lately. But it seems like with the catching up to the pre-orders that the Steam Deck and Valve team have been able to make. And I've also noticed a lot of stuff like in the tech space in general have been getting better with production. Like for instance, Teslas are starting to come out faster. It seems like there may be a turn on the horizon for these hardware pieces and especially like the tech hardware. So maybe this is a good time to jump in as things become more available as tech is a little bit less prohibitive as far as pipeline goes and, and they can really come out with a big bang and have a lot of stock available at launch, which is going to be the big make or break moment, right? If it's another five, $600 handheld and people can't even get it for a year, it may not actually work out. It would probably be dead in the water. Yeah. This doesn't strike me as that kind of a product because Logitech does have higher end stuff, of course, but what I think people really know them for is more mid-range to really good budget range stuff. I think about some of the more premium headsets that they offer, like the wireless ones that we use, and I think that that's more of like a mid to mid-upper, but it's not like a $500 piece of equipment. But they do own Astro now, and Astro is known for those premium things. So I think I'm hoping, at least, that this is going to be probably either in the $99.99 to $199.99 range. That feels like a good spot to Easy be. Easy buy. Easy day Especially one purchase for me. You're not downloading stuff onto this device, which I think is important to remind people so you don't have to worry about hard drive space. And not having a hard drive, I think, is really going to bring the cost down quite a bit. Yeah, you know, I like the idea of this. I've had a lot of conversations by myself, ladies, about my favorite console. And I think at this point, I have to say it's the Switch because of the portability. 
In fact, so I'm reviewing Soul Hackers 2, and I thought for some reason that was going to be on the Switch. And when I found out it was Xbox and PlayStation, I was like, damn, like, I just really wanted to be able to take that game with me everywhere I go, especially like Andrea said at the top of the show, since we're all traveling this week. And so anything that lets me play anything portable, and I know Xbox has all their like fancy play anywhere shenaniganry but for some reason it just and I know the barrier to entry probably isn't that hard but I still like have yet to really fully I've played it with my backbone I played Yakuza but it just seems so much easier to have like a dedicated device that's not an iPhone to play your games and that's like what's really getting me all hot and bothered and excited I'm like okay this could be really cool obviously the streaming while it does have its pros you don't have to have a hard drive you have to have the internet connection at that point and I don't know how that's gonna work out in the wild if you will but no like I I'm gonna keep my eye on this for sure I think this is something that I could use that I'm down to try especially if it is that 99 199 price range I think that super affordable barrier to entry is low I see everyone playing with their steam deck and I have some FOMO but I'm also like do you know how much those are yeah they're very expensive right (laughs) yeah yeah which model did you get Ree I got the middle so I think it was 256 gigs yeah it was 500 bucks yeah see like cool if you're gonna use it like yeah absolutely like I would pay for that but I just don't I don't know we'll see I think this is a great entry point though and I think if anyone can really do it Logitech is kind of built for it so cool let's do it I want one well Hopefully we get to get eyes on it because all they released was a logo. So um, <laughs> I'm, guessing do a, I'm guessing they're going to do some kind of reveal later uh, in the year. Maybe Gamescom. Who knows? Speaking of, this is not even a good segue. I'll go um, with it anyway. <laughs> speaking of what? Um, Sony? Speaking of Sony, we weren't even talking about Sony. <laughs> oh, I'm wearing a PlayStation shirt. You want to use that? Oh, Yes. Hey, Rihanna, look at that lovely PlayStation logo that you happen to be wearing. Is it because you knew that we were going to be talking about PS5 today? Probably not. But (laughs) here we are. This isn't even that big of a news story. They're just deleting a feature off of the PlayStation 5 that apparently nobody wanted and is using. Yeah, it's, it's, (laughs) it's accolades. So essentially the idea with this was that... You would play it online. Did any of you use this first and foremost? I guess that would no. be a good. No. You're going to be honest. I completely forgot that this was a and thing that same existed. Here, me too. I think the idea of it was great. So I'm reading from the sixth axis right now. So they had a really good example here. Okay. Accolades was a good idea to encourage positivity through online multiplayer and foster more genuine sense of community. Once per online match in supporting games, you could award one stranger one of three accolades, helpful, welcoming, or good sport. You know, like an Overwatch, I guess. And I think like, hey, like, I think it's great that Sony tried to do something that would foster a good, happy, engaging community. I think it's a good step. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're all a bunch of assholes. So clearly it didn't work out the way they intended. I don't know if it didn't work out because people are assholes or more so because people are like, this is a waste of my time. It's yeah. I mean, there's just a barrier to entry there. You know, it's you have to have developers who want to put the time into it, like that want to support it with their game. And I guess, you know, Overwatch is a huge game. But I think if Sony had like that killer app game built from the ground up where they could really integrate it in, maybe tie it in in some way, shape or form, then maybe it would have taken off. But Yeah, like, hey, I'm happy they tried it, but I think it's smart just to, like, exit out. I honestly just believe humanity in general doesn't think to take time out of their day to give somebody a high five or a pat. Assholes, Andrea, like I said. (laughs) I don't think people are assholes. I mean, there obviously are assholes in the world. 
It's more about the idea that for some reason we as a community of human beings don't take enough time to stop and praise people for things. And that's just a cultural problem. Mm -hmm. And that is probably why accolades didn't work because people are quick to complain about something that's bad or wrong or somebody that was an asshole to them, right? Like report that player who was a dick or whatever. But people aren't quick to say, hey, this person was really cool and really nice. Why don't I give them an accolade? You know what Pokemon Unite does? Because this is, this is all my husband plays is fucking Pokemon Unite. <laughs> and like, hey, you, you do you, man. After each match, <laughs> I all I look over and it shows every person on there that played in that match. And then you can just push a quick button and it says like, hey, good job or high five. Or, and he just goes through and he just gives props to every person on the team. And like that's simple and easy. I, and I don't know how accolades worked with PS5, but that's something they do in Pokemon Unite and he has actually made some like cute little like online buddies through Pokemon Unite and they hop on Discord and they play and it all started kind of from that high five system so I think it can be when it's done correctly it can be really beneficial but it just yeah, yeah barrier to entry just can't be there it has to be super seamless the implementation in Overwatch is really seamless as well it sounds a lot like what you're describing with Pokemon Unite and it is very uplifting and encouraging and Andrea you're absolutely right we should take more time to compliment each other yeah. out in the wild mm-hmm. <laughs> it would make the world, world a better be place a, a better place and it's such yeah. an important i'm not gonna go down to the thing but one of the worst <laughs> bosses i ever had is listen at my job i was really good at what i did i was kick-ass i was like a new new employee there overperformed i was outdoing everyone but what happened over time is she never congratulated anybody in the team not just me but no one whenever someone would do something good and like i you know i was fresh out of high school 18 working for like you know this like government agency and I wasn't sure what to make of all of it so I needed the positive reinforcement I needed that extra dose of confidence but for you know six months I was kicking ass kicking ass I made one little minor mistake and I got reamed for it Mm. and it's that same sort of thing that we were just talking about it's such an important tool if you're in a position of power if you're an employer if you have contractors or even if you're just a friend or anyone You know, I think it's just really important to try to point out the good that people do. And it's so easy just to focus on the bad because that's when our internal fight or flight kicks in. But if you don't have anything to complain about, that means someone is doing a good job somewhere. So recognize that. Recognize. (laughs) Exactly. Next story is all about Apex Legends. Yay. How are we talking about Apex Aww. again? What happened? I, lo- I saw this and Re, I love you so much. I was reading it and I was like, I don't get this. So I just posted it in the show notes and then I put this little note. Like, so I'm like, Re, if this isn't cool enough, we don't have to talk about it. But it sounds like it's cool enough that you want to talk about it. it it's pretty cool. It, it's your typical update. So this comes from Eurogamer. It says Apex Legends Season 14 brings King's Canyon Overhaul and level cap increase. So I won't read the entire thing because there's quite a bit here, but I'll point out what I thought was really interesting after reading a little quote here from Eurogamer. So it's Apex Legends 14th season, officially known as Haunted. I think I called it Survive before. And it's uh, right around the corner, August 9th. It's following the unveiling of the new Vantage Hero, who we've seen a couple of videos of right now. And the developer confirmed a major overhaul of the original King's Canyon map, hallelujah, (laughs) alongside a level cap for players. So the level cap works a lot like the prestige system and your Call of Duties, right? You reach level 
500, you choose to go back to zero and you get a token on your, your little emblem there. And then everybody sees, oh, you're back in round two and so on and so forth. And this is really exciting for competitive players. But even if you're not, which I know is a very small audience of people, there's a lot of really cool stuff here. So these are just uh, notes that I took after scrubbing through lots and lots of these videos. Kings Canyon is back. They've improved the rotation point. So you're not going to get picked off quite as bad, which is really great because Vantage is a sniper class and she's going to have amazing sight lines. She has this really amazing zoom scope thing that I'll talk about in a second. It's going to be hard to run around from point to point in the map. So they've improved a lot of the cover throughout the, uh, the environment in Kings Canyon. Rework the points of interest, specifically Skulltown. It's back. It's now called Relic. Thank goodness, because we all miss Skulltown. Hands up, everybody, for Skulltown. Hands up. Um, I don't know what I'm putting my hands up for, but it I'm is so good. You. It's just like, it's literally one of the, it, sometimes I call it the meat market. There's another place in the map called the meat market. You literally just jump in there and it's chaos. Like, it's, I just need a quick game. I need five minutes to make sure that I can actually play this still. I'm just going to drop right in Skulltown and it is chaos every time. It's absolutely so insane. So it's like the, it's like the sweaty place on the map. It is the sweatiest place on the map and I am so grateful that it has returned. I have missed okay. the sweat. It's been too cool. We need to heat it up. So we're going to Relic. Just drop hot every game. Um, so a couple of notes on some of my favorite weapons. Eva 8 is getting buffed again because the Eva 8 is uh, an automatic shotgun. I love shotguns. It's getting the double barrel stock back again, which is going to ruin a lot of people's days. I'll probably be one of them. And then also the Skull Piercer <laughs> attachment is back for Longbow 3030 and Wingman. Now, Okay, this was weird because I saw Stella, Stella Parallax Stella on Twitter posted a lot of these uh, highlights as well. And the first one that jumped out at me, the wingman, which is a handgun, you know, like uh, the revolver. Everybody knows like a pistol in the game. If you're good with it, it's usually the best gun in the game. Wingman is no exception in most of the seasons of Apex. It is now a sniper class and it uses sniper attachments and sniper ammo, which is so confusing. And I don't understand why. And you don't like sniper, right? You're I don't. And okay. I'm terrible with the wingman. Like, oh my God, I would literally rather just try to punch people to death than try the wingman because I will Join miss me. every shot. It is so hard. <laughs> but if you're good with it, you're a beast. You're a monster. And making it into a sniper class and giving it that extended mag and like quick reload, that is honestly really frightening. I'm going to be upset with people who are good with wingman in this season, but it's okay. Another head scratcher for me, the Spitfire, which is one of the best LMGs in the game, is now a light class instead of a heavy class. And it, when you hold a Spitfire, it's like, duga, 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 duga. like it feels like it should be a heavy gun. It literally sounds, looks, and feels heavy. They're changing it to a light class. No idea why. I'm not sure what's hmm. going on there with the meta. They did bring back a, a number of stocks, like I said, for the wingman, the 3030, which are both heavy classes. So maybe they're just trying to increase the incentive for people to pick up light ammo and attachments by changing the Spitfire, but whatever. We'll see how that works. It'll probably get knocked back to heavy in the next season. We'll see. Also, a couple of changes for the knockdown shield and backpacks. Golds will now no longer give you a self-revive for the knockdown shield. It'll instead give you Guardian Angel, which is when you revive your teammate. They come back with some extra health. And gold backpack will no longer have Guardian Angel, since that's now in the knockdown shield. It's going to give you the ability to carry more healing items. So people are going to be going after gold backpacks a lot more regularly, because you can carry as many med kits and giant batteries as you like and getting into the new hero this is the fun part vantage she's really cute she has a little bat it looks like a zoo bat 
it flies around next to her <laughs> and it does little squeaky sounds, which is adorable. I'm hoping again, please respawn, send us a plushie. And it is obvious that this is part of her moveset. So we have a bunch of Apex Legends heroes who have different movement capabilities like Octane, who can jump on a jump pad. He's also fast. He has little speedy legs. You have Valkyrie, who has a jetpack, which lets her essentially double jump as much as she wants. But what's really interesting about this one is Vantage. She has this thing called Echo Relocation with her little bat. I don't know the bat's name. Calling it Zubat for now. Um, where she. It's so cute, but she like sends it out and it can hover over somebody. Like, let's say you want to get the drop on an enemy team. And then she like launches up to the bat, like high fives it and then falls into a new spot, which is really interesting because it's like it's sort of like a jetpack, but then it's also kind of like a throwing your your bracelet like a loba. It seems very similar to a lot of the other legends movement sets. So we'll see what this one has as far as advantage over others because it's mirroring a lot of the ones that we've seen before. But there's got to be something different about it. They wouldn't have made it part of her tack or her kid if it wasn't. So. Curious to see how that tactical works. She also has a really great passive. Whenever she zooms in, she can see all of the enemy character types. So figure out like what type of gameplay strategy they're going to do, how they're going to approach and probably try to get the drop on you. And then she also has an ultimate gun. So this is similar to Rampart where she pulls out a turret. This one is called Sniper's Mark. So her sniper will be on a timer. She has five shots, it looks like. And she can double zoom in to see enemy character names, distance, and their shield level, which is really, really good and useful because if they're, you know, say you zoom in, you see all white shields, you have a fuse on your team. Like, fuse can just throw a thousand grenades over there and you know you're going to down everybody. You don't even have to worry about wasting your ammo. So very, very useful scout class. Really interested to see how she draws in the meta with everybody else. And... The Zubat is really, really cute. Zubat's name is Echo. I looked it up for you. It's Echo. Okay. Yeah. I'm probably going to keep calling it Zubat. I apologize. I love Zubat. No, no. Keep it Zubat, please. (laughs) It's very, very cute. All in all, it's a fun season. It's a really interesting new character. I have the suspicion she'll probably end up getting picked quite a bit, more like a Horizon, more like a Seer, where she's not going to fall completely out of meta immediately. But we'll Mm -hmm. see how mid-season updates go and whatever they end up doing with these class changes for the weapons, because they're absolutely bonkers to me. I love how we started this story with, I'm only going to talk about a few things from this update. There's only half of my list. <laughs> okay. Uh, I stand corrected. I love it. it. Was, it's a really fun, it's an exciting update. Like, read up on it, get in and play. If you're in the competitive scene, you're going to be very happy. And uh, yeah, have fun. That's great. I love the enthusiasm. I used to have that kind of enthusiasm for updates for Destiny and a couple other games, but y'all know, just not on my game as I normally am. But you know who is? This guy that dropped $100,000 in Diablo Immortal. Uh, or is he? You know, Sounds like content creator... JT is all business is debating an attempt at legal action against Blizzard for his run in Diablo Immortal. So this story was over on Eurogamer and there's been some wild stories about people spending money in Diablo Immortal. I've not heard yet a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> that to me seems like a very not smart decision. Feels like that's not a return on your investment. JT is all business. Yeah, how can you have that name when it's all business? If you're like, um, I spent $100,000 and I can't play with anyone now, so now I'm going to sue Blizzard. Like, what the audacity of people. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just, I don't get it. It's- 
It's wild. So the story, the background is the reason we wanted to point this out is because one, it's a little hysterical that somebody dropped $100,000 in Diablo Immortal. But he apparently is in this bind because now he's in a matchmaking class that's so high above everybody else playing the game that he can't matchmake with anybody. And he's reached out to Blizzard to be like, you need to fix this. I need to be able to matchmake. And they're like, okay, bro, we'll, we heard you. We'll add it to the list. You know, <laughs> wink, wink, we'll fix it. Thanks, Pat. We got you. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because they obviously have no obligation to tailor their matchmaking for a single player, nor should they, because that doesn't make sense from a development standpoint. And it sounds like the vast majority of people, according to Blizzard boss Mike Ybarra, are not spending any money in the game and having a great time. We heard recently that Activision Blizzard is doing well specifically because of Diablo Immortal which comes on the heels of the news that Call of Duty has taken a big dip over the last couple of years. So I think like that's kind of like tried to balance things out for Activision Blizzard's portfolio. But I don't understand how, how do you even spend a hundred thousand? I think spending $10,000 would be challenging. Girl, this dude clearly, or I don't, I don't know, um, JL's business pronouns, but I don't know, like, you, this person just must sit and, like, spend $100,000. I can't imagine that this person, like, you know, I, I'm not going to judge. Sorry, I am judging, but I'm not trying to judge, like, their personal <laughs> lifestyle. Like, I'm, that's, I'm fully I, judging. You know, I don't, clearly this person did it. Like, I looked up his channel, did it for content, uh -huh. right, for hashtag content, which is, like, no shame in that, but, like, at least... When someone like a Logan Paul drops millions of dollars on Pokemon cards, he doesn't go to Game Freak and be like, you owe me my money back. That's what I'm saying. I mean, what? Is, I mean, Blizzard's going to have to build his own bots to fight him. Like, I don't know if anyone else is going to spend $100,000 in this game. But, you know, it's just absolutely wild. I mean, like you said, it's hilarious. Kind of a slow news week. Sorry, JT. Oh. Take the L. Take the tax break. Yeah. Keep it rolling. It's funny. One of the comments on his video that this story is based off of says... It's from somebody first off called Existential Bunny. Um, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> which is great. It says, way to go. Congratulations. You just made Blizzard see pay to win and microtransactions as viable mechanics and features in games. I'm sure they'll not just continue with shady practices, but double down on future games. I don't think that take is the right take, but I think it's a little hilarious that people are like, "This it's your fault that microtransactions exist. And then it goes, oh, internet Jake, tis all business. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I think we all, at least now we have someone to blame. JTL's business. Yeah. JT, it's your fault. It's yeah. your fault. Now it's, yeah. It's your fault, JT. <laughs> Justin wow. Timberlake well, responds. No, that was it. That was, that was the only one. As we mentioned at the top of the show, we are recording the podcast a little early, so any major news drops we will cover in next week's show. But for now, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about what we've been playing. Stick with us. We'll see you in a minute. segment of the What's Good Games podcast. This is where we talk about what we've been playing and any preview of events we may or may not have been to. But first, I want to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by MeUndies. Now, have you heard about the legendary underwear brand that's totally taken over the podcasting world? Famous for their buttery soft undies and bralettes, MeUndies loves podcasts just as much as you do. 
It's like you're made for each other. And you can get to know the underwear brand on every podcaster's lips. There's so much more than undies. And that is very true. I've talked about how Jason wears nothing but me undies shirts now. And he feels very high and mighty and spoiled when he walks around in his buttery soft shirts. And I will admit they are buttery and they are soft. And I have been known to steal them from him from time to time. And then he finds them in my closet and then he gets mad at me. But they really are just that big, loose, comfortable shirt that's been so perfect right now. For me anyway, he has the men's extra large. And especially in this heat that we've been having over here in the Pacific Northwest, I've been wearing big, loose, comfortable shirts. And I've been wearing the me undies boy shorts because they are tight and they are short and they are cool, which are all important when you are chasing around your 14 month old around the house. Because where does he get all this energy? I couldn't tell you, but they are incredibly comfortable and they are my go to loungewear. And now everyone knows MeUndies for their super soft undies and comfy bralettes. But did you know that they make other stuff too? Well, you do, because I just told you about their t-shirts. But we're talking durable, cushy socks that will make your feet sing. We're talking super stretchy loungewear. We're talking daily tees, shorts, and rompers that add a little silky softness to your everyday. They even make hoodies for your dog, so you can match every important person in your life. This is happening with Reb. Available in sizes extra small to 4XL in tons of colors and prints, make MeUndies your destination for all things soft and sustainable. And MeUndies has a great offer for our listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 20% off plus free shipping and returns. To get 20% off of your first order, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee, go to MeUndies.com WGG. That's MeUndies.com WGG. And I'm very excited and very hoping that this winter, all three of us can be matching in our MeUndies <gasps> onesies. Yes, please. Or loungewear. I don't Let's even care. Let's make it happen. Right? It's Let's been years. Let's make it happen. We all have MeUndies onesies. Several mm. multiples, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> this episode of What's Good Games is brought to you by HelloFresh. So what is HelloFresh? If you're still asking that question, maybe it's your first time here at What's Good Games because we love and talk about HelloFresh all the time. It's where you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients delivered right to your doorstep with seasonal recipes. So you can skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Of course, that's why. It's America's number one meal kit. So it's the end of summer, right? It's August, and maybe you're heading out on one last vacation, and you're like, what am I going to do for food when I get there, if you're not staying at a hotel, of course? Well, did you know that with HelloFresh, if you're staying at a fun Airbnb somewhere, you can just update your delivery address to your vacation destination, and boom, you can get your food delivered there, and you can cook all the meals that you know and love in a new, fun place. Exciting, isn't it? Or maybe you're already in fall preparation mode. You've had your first PSL. You're already getting the sweaters out of the boxes. Well, good news. With over 55 weekly options, you can take the stress out of meal planning and prepping and just put it back on decorating like me. (laughs) (laughs) From family-friendly to fit and wholesome and even veggie, HelloFresh has tasty and nutritious meals sure to please everyone. Plus, HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than dining at a restaurant and is even cheaper than the grocery store. That's money back in your pocket. Cha-ching! I always hate throwing away the stuff I buy at the grocery store. Happens every time. So Brittany and I talk all the time about how we've been cooking with HelloFresh for a while. And I actually just ordered 
a bunch of new stuff. And one of the things that I tried that I really liked was this new spicy Peruvian chicken recipe mm. that was oh, chef's kiss. And it came with this delicious salsa verde sauce. And even my baby liked it, if you can believe it. So if you want to try America's number one meal kit for yourself, go to HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 16 and use our code What's Good 16 for 16 free meals across seven boxes and three free gifts. Get cooking today at HelloFresh.com slash What's Good 16 and be sure to use our code What's Good 16 to get 16 free meals across seven boxes plus three free gifts. And it lets them know that What's Good Game sent you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, let's talk about some video games. Games. Brittany, you have like a proper review this week? A preview? A preview. You got something fancy, Strap right? Strap in, ladies. We are talking about an Atlas game. So you know. Oh, no. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Exciting. I mean, oh, exciting. This is the best news ever. <laughs> that's, that's totally what I said no, You know, like, get comfortable. <laughs> you know, just let your eyes glaze over. Just grab a beverage. Like, I'll be talking probably for the next 10 minutes by myself. It's all good. No hard feelings here. I'm talking about Soul Hackers 2. So first of all, thank you, Atlas, so much for the code. It's like, you know what I like. So this game is out August 26th for PS4, PS5, Xbox X, S, and 1, and Steam. And Soul Hackers is part of Atlas's Megami Tensei series. Now, if you're like, what the hell is that? Think of Shin Megami Tensei, think of Persona, and Devil Summoner. Soul Hackers is part of the Devil Summoner series. There are some spinoffs in there, like Tokyo Mirage Sessions, but I'm not going to get too down that rabbit hole. So you kind of know what to expect when you are playing a Megami Tensei game. But Soul Hackers 2 is a sequel to Devil Summoner Soul Hackers, which was released in Japan in 1997 and was only ported here in the West in 2013. So this Soul Hackers 2 is a sequel to that 1997 game. So it's it's been a minute. It was brought back, I guess, due to fan demand and the creators were like, hey, you know, we think this has a good place in today's video game culture because it is all sci-fi and techie and whatnot. If Persona is like the teenage angst of the Megami Tensei series and Shin Megami Tensei is like the post-apocalypse, this is the sci-fi branch of that. And this is a preview, and so this will only encompass everything that I've seen for the first 10 to 11 hours-ish of the game, so it's not a review. My thoughts are not final. So what is this wackadoodle game that I just have come to love so much? So 
I'm going to read this blurb from their website because if I try to explain it, we'd be here for 10 minutes, but they have it narrowed down here. So existing in the secret sea of humanity's data, a digital hive mind has evolved into sentience called Aeon. Observing humankind from afar, Aeon calculates that a world-ending disaster is imminent and creates two agents to combat against it, Ringo and Fige. Together, these agents of Aeon must investigate and prevent a butterfly effect that will lead to the end of the world. And so you play as Ringo, and you are, like I said, sent to prevent the end of the world. Should be easy enough. You just need to prevent a couple deaths with your partner. I think it's Figu is how you actually say her name. But of course... Nothing goes according to plan, and you have to use this ability that Ringo has called Soul Hack, which allows you to restore a human's heart and soul by triggering their regret and death. So you can, you can kind of re- resurrect them. And you have to kind of work backwards. I'm going to try to keep this very vague, but just so you have an idea of what the story is about. They kind of have to work backwards because, again, things haven't gone according to plan, and they have to figure out why are these people targeted? Why are they being assassinated and they've come to learn about these things called covenants and essentially there are several of them and they are attached to several different people and they can leap from person to person and it's kind of like you know whoever gets all of them together has a lot of power think of like the triforce my fellow zelda fans just keep it at that so when you think of a megama tensei series game there's a few things that i really am interested in and now i knew nothing of soul hackers before i played this game but i do love me some persona i do like shimigami tensei so i was very interested in this and one of the staples is the combat of this game so obviously like you have your dungeons that you're going through like and you know you're making story progress as you go through dungeons and whatnot and i would say that well let's just start with the dungeons themselves i would just say the dungeons have been the biggest disappointment thus far and i think the reason for that is is when you play persona and again persona is the most popular game in this whole like little series here and it's for good reason i feel like persona just gets buttloads and buttloads of attention and care given to it And this, while it has a lot of the same elements, it doesn't feel like as much effort went into this. And I mean, I understand that. Like, this is kind of you're resurrecting a new IP and, you know, you don't want to probably put all of the money into it like you would Persona. But in Persona, you have all these different dungeons, right? And they're all themed after someone's, like, heart or their inner turmoil or what's going on in their life. So far, in the only three dungeons that I've come across, they all look the same, but they're supposed to be reflective of that character's psyche that you are delving into. They're all kind of like this dark blue. There's all these like futuristic cubes floating around through space. The ground looks kind of like all lit up and QB itself. And it's just kind of boring, very, very linear, not very exciting or entertaining. But what does make it fun is, again, like the combat. And this is the staple combat. And I think it's called the one more turn system. It's the thing where every enemy has a weakness and you exploit that weakness to your strategic advantage. So let's say I'm fighting Andrea and Rhee. Andrea is weak to ice. Rhee's weak to fire. I cast ice on Andrea. I cast fire on Rhee. I get to go another turn. And in this game, that turn is called Sabbath. And you essentially summon all of your demons that have inflicted a weak attack against someone or attack that's strong against another enemy and they all like go at him. It's like the Persona 5 all out attack, I think is what it's called. But it's still fun and it still works and it's the same system that you've come to know and love with a few, you know, tweaks here and there to make it fit this theme of sci-fi futuristic shenaniganry. Upon entering a dungeon, all of your demons will leave you. You can use them in battle at any time, but they will leave you and you'll find them scattered throughout the dungeon. Maybe they have found items for you. Maybe they have recruited another demon that wants to join your party. There's no that I've come across yet 
In Persona 5, like, where you actually, like, interact with the demon, answer some questions, and it joins you. This one is more so your demons find the en- the other demons, and then they want to join you that way. But it's still fun. I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's not, like, the most engaging system, but again, dungeons probably are my least favorite part of this game, but the combat is really fun. My one biggest piece of advice, if you're considering this game, and you are a fan of these sorts of games get past the first dungeon. And I say that because I was really struggling to enjoy this because when you're in the first dungeon, you can't teleport out instantly. You can only use portals within the dungeon and then you have to portal to the beginning of the dungeon, leave the dungeon and then portal back to use the safe house where you rest because there are no like instant heal portal healing auras, anything in this game. So if you want to heal, you have to like physically leave the dungeon and then load out, load back in, and it's a really stupid mechanic. And I don't know why they do that, but it does get better when you learn the ability to instantly teleport out. You cannot swap out demons during your first dungeon and you cannot fuse demons. Once all of that opened up to me, my enjoyment of the game just dramatically increased because that's the fun strategic element that I love with the combat of this. And the game isn't so hard and it's not super easy. It's a nice little blend in the middle. I was playing it on normal until like the last 1% of my time in the preview. And then I knocked it down to easy because I just didn't want to do all the grinding. Like if you have someone who has the time to do the grinding, absolutely. You go on with your bad self. You're going to love it. But you know, those, those days are long past me. So, but what I will say is it's not overly difficult, but it's a good challenge, but it's nothing that's going to like make you, I was going to say rip off your underwear in frustration, but I don't know anyone who's ever done that. <laughs> Throwing a controller, maybe. Rip off your underwear in frustration. That's a new one. It is a new one. A few more <laughs> things that I want to talk about are obviously the characters and the relationship building. Again, really important to these sorts of games. So you do have your party of characters and they are so fun and so well written. The localization team has just done a killer, killer job. No surprise there. And I think those relationships and those characters are really what's going to carry this for me. The story is interesting enough, but it's nothing mind-blowing. But watching each of these characters grow and learn more about them, you're learning more about them through obviously the main narrative, but then you also have a hangout you can do at a bar in the game. And there's these carefully crafted one-on-one conversations you can have with them, or you can have everyone together where you're chatting with them. You can share meals with everybody. And again, all those conversations seems like they were written from the ground up per meal that you're making. So I think I bought apple cider, green apple cider or something for a meal. And some people loved it, some people hated it, but it was very much tailored to that. So that's kind of fun. It's not like you're just buying something generic and getting a generic conversation. Again, it's the little details that really, really go a long way. You are able to do a lot of side quests. There is a lovely NPC named Madame Ginkgo, and Madame Ginkgo has a whole bunch of requests from civilians and other devil summoners, et cetera, et cetera. And by completing these, you know, you earn items, you can get money. Sometimes it will actually spawn very specific dialogue hangout session with one of the characters. And the more time you spend with your characters, I should have mentioned this earlier, you increase your soul level, which is like your friendship. And you need to have these soul levels at a certain ranking in order to progress in their specific dungeons. So again, like there's a lot going on in this game. So I think I've kind of covered like the main general what to expect from it. 
the setting of it's really cool. It's kind of like this futuristic cyberpunk Japan, which, hi, it's like, it's like <laughs> that's me. You know, I will say the towns are fun. They're funky. It's not so, you don't really get a lot of fun, like, navigating throughout these towns because it's just very linear. It's like you can walk up or down or maybe around a little bit. It feels more like, honestly, you're navigating through a list rather than actually exploring when you are kind of traveling from place to place to place. But yeah, I mean, you know, it's at first I wasn't entirely sure. I wanted to know, like, where's this combat? Like, why can't I swap out my demons? Why can't I fuse my demons? Again, very big staples, very fun combat element there. But now that that's opened up and now that I feel the story is picking up a little bit and the characters are really starting to grow on me, I'm very excited to continue playing and see what comes next. So I guess like the TLDR of this is it starts out for me a little bit slow But maybe once you get like seven-ish, eight-ish hours in, and those aren't bad hours. It's just a little slow, and then it really kind of opens up. Anyway, the way I've been playing, that's how long it took. Isn't that the story of every JRPG ever made? It starts out slow and then gets really good like 15 hours in. 15 hours is a lot. Like, that's way too much. I would say this is even a little long for me. I had to definitely space it out over the course of a few days because I would never felt compelled just to sit on my ass and like play nonstop. And also, LOL, who can do that with a 14 month old? So I was getting little chunks in here or there. But you're right, Andrea. Like, unfortunately, sometimes like these games do take their really sweet time warming up. And maybe I'm just extra sensitive to it right now because I just don't have all that time in the world to just like let it get good. I just wanted to get good from the beginning, which is why I'm kind of frustrated that they locked a lot of these combat elements until after the first dungeon. But again, like, you know, that's probably how a tutorial should start or a game should start. Anyway, like I'm having a really fun time with it now that it's kind of getting up to my speed. I think the localization is really fun. These characters are super great. I could see this becoming a really fun game for a lot of people. And, you know, hopefully it comes back and becomes more of a staple of the Megami Sensei. Tensei. I always get that mixed up. (laughs) Tensei, not Sensei. We're not talking about a teacher here. Series. You know, I think it's diversification is great. I think expanding the library is great. I think there's a lot of potential there. You know, I just say if you like those sorts of games, if you like Persona and you're kind of looking for something a little sci-fi-y that feels like it got a little less attention and love from developers, like, check it out. I'm having fun with it. I plan to continue playing and seeing where these soul hacker gets me or something like that. I'm going to hack your soul. I would hack both of your souls if something happened to you is what I'm trying to say, despite the risks that it could pose to myself. I'll allow it. (laughs) I'll allow it. Yeah. Soul hackers. (laughs) Well, I'm glad that you're enjoying it. It's definitely a little convoluted for people who aren't familiar with any of the franchises that you mentioned, you know, Shin Megami Tensei, Persona, etc. Because it's the interwoven nature of the storylines is, dare I say, more complicated than Kingdom Hearts? Oh, no. Oh, you don't think oh, so? No, at least, you know, no. Kingdom Hearts is like eight games following one string of narrative. This is just little pieces here and there. I can't even. Okay, then don't. How about instead, Brittany, Rihanna and I can talk about opening shit, our time playing puzzles. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah, so we have been talking about Escape Academy or talking about playing Escape Academy together. And if you follow me on Twitter, you saw that I posted a little short clip of our longer unboxing that we did for this really cool thing that the folks at I Am 8-Bit Skybound Games sent us and Queen Crew, of course, the developers of the game. And uh, here on YouTube.com slash What's Good Games, you can watch the full <laughs> unboxing, which I 
still cut down by like 50% and it's still long because we, you know, solving puzzles live in front of people is stressful and difficult. Also after a few drinks, you know, maybe uh, our brains weren't as sharp, but we got there. We got there. Exactly. Rihanna and I talked about Escape Academy the first time after Summer Game Fest play days. And though that wasn't the first time that we got to see the game and we were really interested in playing this game, obviously had a lot of fun with the unboxing and she came over for my birthday and we sat outside and played like biggest air quotes couch (laughs) co-op together uh, which was pretty fun Mm -hmm. and this game is really just a nice way to connect with somebody and play co-op in a way that you know is not your traditional co-op experience. And Brittany, I think you and Jason would have a ton of fun with this game being the co-op aficionados, of course, that you guys are. And we just had a lot of fun playing it. And obviously it's much easier when Rihanna was there in person versus when I was trying to relay (laughs) what was happening with the box over the video call. But yeah, it's like based off of escape rooms where you're going to this academy where you're training to be this best escape room artist and there's all of these kind of kooky characters that you meet around campus and then there's different places on the map that you go to to basically just do escape rooms and there's rankings for them there's difficulty sliders there's a time limit and we were doing pretty good I think we got a little overconfident And then we're like, oh, (laughs) let's do one that's a little bit harder. And we actually ran out of time at the end. And we were like, oh, no, did we fail? We did without giving anything away. I will say maybe the environment we were playing in made it harder to see a certain clue, which we were supposed to clearly use in order to solve a puzzle. Throw that clue under the bus. Just do it. We were outside. It was dark. We're in the hot tub. We're having a couple bevies. Maybe that wasn't the most conducive environment. Again, maybe we should stop trying to escape room drunk. But it was a lot of fun. And the forgiveness of the system is that you can ask for more time if you do run out during any particular puzzle. But what, what I think is really cool and what we were starting to see the beginnings of after doing, I think, three consecutive puzzles is the story behind what's going on in Escape Academy. So as you mentioned, Andrea, you know, you're a young escape artist, your approach to, to maybe come and join the ranks of these illustrious and decorated escapists of, of all time. And there's a lot of history and lore in this game, which is really fun for me. And, you know, getting to know some of the professors, some of your classmates is really interesting. And you get a lot of background as to like why this place exists and, and maybe even more of a mystery sort of behind all of the rooms themselves. So there's a lot of draw to keep coming back. As far as replayability, I haven't tried replaying any levels aside from the one that we played in person at Playdays at Summer Game Fest, and then we played it again over the weekend together in person. It does not seem to have anything that's different or changed in the puzzles. They are all the same if you go back to them. You could probably try to beat your time, and you are able to skip some steps and go straight to solving a puzzle if you already know the answer. So let's say you're just, you know, you're just brain on on max and you're just level 5,000 thinking you can just go straight to the end and put the code in and get through without going through each of the puzzle steps. However, you do get credit for solving each of the puzzle steps and they give you specific times. It's like, oh, you spent four minutes on this lock or you spent two minutes unscrambling this puzzle 
and it'll give you additional points that like contributes to your overall score. So you get a grade at the end. You know, most of ours were A pluses. There was one B. Uh, that we don't maybe. talk about the B. <laughs> we agreed that B was to die in a fire. I mean, that B wasn't necessarily our fault, but <laughs> um, you do get graded, right? So it, it playing into the theme that you're at this university, you're 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 studying to become know a graduate of this escape academy and it's all very fun and and very well put together so y'all talk about co-op a lot and i know you've talked about this before but please remind me can you play this by yourself yes yes okay you can absolutely play by yourself and there's online and local co-op and i just had my phone up and i was writing notes down but there's definitely instances where you'll want to like draw clues out. So having a pen and paper mm-hmm. is probably better. Re did mention we could draw stuff with apps on our phone too if you don't have paper handy. But I like the physical shit. Yeah, same. I'm physical. <laughs> okay, so now that you've played couch co-op air quotes and locally and online, whatever, what is your preferred way to play this? I think couch co-op is way more fun. Okay. Obviously, online co-op is a great way to play if you're playing with somebody who's not physically in your location, right? Because you each see everything and you can pass items back and forth in the game so that you can hand items to people, even though we didn't get to a puzzle yet where one of us was like barricaded and we needed to pass something. It was kind of like, well, why don't I just go over there and put the item in? But it is an option. But I mean, obviously doing something in person is, is fun. And there's not really a lot of, co-op games that incentivize you to play in person I think you know you think of couch co-op party games like your Mario parties and whatnot but there's not like a ton of those you know but you're the cool. co-op expert I'm very Brittany. excited well you know I've played a few in my day I'm really excited to play this I just gotta pull my ass away from Elden Ring we're still playing that we're like 50 hours into that bitch by now so yeah this looks fun though and I like the couch co-op aspect of it I don't think you've been to my house, but Andrew's been to my house. You know how we have that big theater projector screen? Like, that's one of our favorite ways to play games is snuggled up on a couch. Because right now we have to sit 100 yards away from each other pretty much in our living room. But that's why this sounds good. It sounds chill. It sounds kind of warm and fuzzy. It sounds like it can get stressful or can't. Well, I mean, you're working against a timer. And there's one level that we thankfully played at the preview event at Summer Game Fest. So we knew how Uh. to solve it. But it's a level where there's water coming into the area where you're trying to escape from. And so the idea is like, well, if you don't solve it, are you going to drown? Question mark. Don't know. And then you can't ask for more time at the end. There's a continue where you get five more minutes or there's a fail where I assume that you just get kicked back out to the overworld and you have to start the puzzle all over again. Got it. Would be my guess. Cool. But we didn't get to the true fail state, at least not yet. So, but we're only, <laughs> we not. only have about a third of the map like uncovered, third to half of the map maybe uncovered. So I imagine that as you go through that the puzzles get increasingly more difficult, mm-hmm. but I appreciate that much like the little box that they sent over, that the puzzles aren't something that you need intricate knowledge of. It's not like a trivia component and it's not something that's so obtuse that you're not going to be able to discover what it was. It definitely felt like we needed or we had everything at our disposal that we needed to solve the puzzles, which I think mm-hmm. is great. Cool. I'm stoked. Yeah. Ah, yeah. I love escape rooms. I haven't done one, well, you know, since in the olden times, the olden <laughs> days, before times. No, it definitely feels like an escape room, in, in minus the trivia bit, as you mentioned, Andrea. But it is, it is really approachable and a lot of fun. 
Yeah. I would highly recommend. I want to I want to keep playing. But it's just like a nice little indie game, as we mentioned, from Coin Crew Games, published by I Am 8-Bit and Skybound. And, you know, if you're looking for something fun, it's a fun party game. You can uh, have some friends over, have some libations if you are so inclined, and, you know, struggle with some <laughs> of the puzzles once the libations are really flowing. <laughs> I will say that picture of replaying is fucking sick. Like, in the hot tub, but like, you know, the nighttime, you got the TV going. That looks so fun. Ugh. Come on down, Brittany. We'll make it happen. Soon. We shall make it so. You can play video games and be outside at the same time. If only child else. Andrea knew that that was possible. But anyway, that's going to do it for our show for this week. Thank you, everybody, for hanging out with us. We will be back next week where Rihanna will be talking about her Steam Deck impressions. You're bringing it on your trip Mm -hmm. this week? I am. I have a a couple of games loaded. I even got, as I said before, xCloud working on it. So uh, I'm going to run it through its paces and see how it goes. So I'll report back. Excellent. And Brittany will be out, still returning from her trip, but we will see you the week after. So hopefully everybody enjoys their weekend, is taking their last couple vacations before summer is over, and playing some fun games. Until next time, bye everybody!